You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Danish Chowdhury, Managing Director of the Bitcoin.com exchange. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon. This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange.bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Donish, again, welcome to the show. Uh, let's dig in. So talk to us about what's happened this past week. Yeah, great to be here again. Over the week, I think it's been, surprisingly, the market rally has kind of continued. You know, I, you, you normally think that end of March, there's usually generally a sell-off, mainly because of tax season. I think that was delayed in the U.S. It's funny how the rest of the world kind of watches what the U.S. does in terms of crypto and stuff. We got yesterday just the news, uh, just the biggest piece of news about in the Coinbase IPO that you and I have discussed previously uh, that they actually funny date for them to announce it, which is April 1st, where we thought, oh, April Fools, you're actually like, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, they announced yesterday that they're going live on April 14th. Uh, and I think that's a pretty exciting event for the entire industry. And I think many, many eyes are going to be uh, on the IPO itself. Now, why do you think that is? Why is there so much interest in a company like Coinbase? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting when you look at something like Coinbase and, you know, you it's almost considered a part of the system. It's systematic. Uh, it's an important piece. Like if Coinbase were to go bankrupt tomorrow, uh, it would cause a huge shock to the entire industry and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, I think it's mainly because Coinbase one of the, was one of the first and I think the only exchanges in the U.S. that was fully compliant from a regulatory perspective, um, they did a great job of bringing on, you know, U.S. retail customers, U.S. institutional customers, um, and then they grew abroad. And I think it's just, yeah, they just became such an integral part um, to the industry that, you know, it's... Um, considered a big event because every American person has a Coinbase account. Uh, it's interesting you, you talk about that. Now, let's dig a little bit more into NFTs. And while we've talked about it uh, in weeks prior, I am finding that NFTs seem to be getting even more traction. I mean, is it a bubble? I mean, what do you think this thing is becoming? I think the so NFTs are, yeah, we've spoken about NFTs a couple of times. I think, um, you know, by now, I hope that most of our listeners know what an NFT is. Uh, non-fungible token. I think it's getting traction really, really quickly. I think um, because there's a lot of hype around it. I think when people realize that 
you know, there is a bigger use for NFTs. It could be like a certificate of authenticity. It could be, um, you know, a proof of ownership. It could be um, anything that is beyond a moving image. I think that's when it's really going to take off. But I think right now we're in like the initial discovery phase uh, where it's gone from like a fad to hype. And I think when, um, you know, you see... Uh, celebrities coming out like Lindsay Lohan or like, I think it was uh, uh, Lupa Fiasco was the one who, who created, who actually this week announced um, he's going to do an NFT, which is going to be a ticket to his online concert, which has um, special features and like backstage access and all that sort of stuff. Now that's kind of a cool use case. And I think that's what people have, uh, will soon to realize that it's more than just moving images. And I think that's when it's really going to take off. But right now, I think it's a fad, temporary fad phase sort of thing. Well, it's fascinating that you say that because I think when most people think of NFTs, they're not really seeing that there's other components to it or there is a utility aspect that can be designed and built into it. Yeah. Um, when we look at the blockchain, I mean, could you ever have imagined that it would head to this? I mean, you've been in it from the beginning. I think, yeah, I think the idea of blockchain really was you know uniqueness uh transparency authenticity uh you know irreversible processes sort of thing um you know like when when you're the blockchain really kind of processes blocks all the transactions are transparent and when transactions happen it can't be rolled back um you know each address is unique etc i think it kind of makes sense to use you know any sort of blockchain for something like NFTs, because obviously you've got tokens that interact. Um, and, and, you know, people can argue that you don't need a token, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you can, you can, uh, the natural progression of it would be to say, hey, listen, there is a, uh, a chain of data um, or what you call it, like a, like a fancy database, I suppose. Um, and, it can hold unique records and they will stay there forever. You would automatically think, hey, why can I not attach something to these blocks of data that will stay there forever? So it, it's like a natural progression. And I think, you know, we'll see future use cases come out of it. But like people were talking NFTs, like, I don't know, like when CryptoKitties came out, like 2017, I think that was the first mass use case of NFTs. And I think that's what really kind of put uh, the idea in people's minds that, you know, NFTs can exist and, you know, really be popular sort of thing. Yeah, it's an interesting insight that you give on it. So let's kind of talk about uh, some of the other things that are going on in the market. I mean, I've been hearing some some crazy numbers or crazy predictions. And while nobody really knows the future, it seems to be that this that this space, that, that the word Bitcoin is going to continue um, and it's going to be adopted more and more by, by companies and by individuals around the world. I mean, do you think that this continues or again, do you think it's just a, a fade and it's going to go away? No, I think it continues. I think one of the bigger pieces of news, actually, I, I sad that I didn't mention this earlier, shocked that I didn't mention it earlier. I mean, um, Visa tested out accepting payments in USDC on Ethereum. And that's a big big milestone because that means that what people have been striving to do um you know bring 
the blockchain uh, to mass use and acceptance. Uh, I think it, it happened this week. It, it, they accepted payments in USDC on Ethereum, and that kind of means that you know Visa might be able to transact in in digital currency. And I think that's uh, where we are now. I think it's now um, Goldman Sachs came out. They're about to start offering Bitcoin to their wealth wealthy clients um, as an investment scheme. Uh, I think there's like multiple ETFs around. I think that's the it's progressing to wider scale adoption. And I think pretty soon. I don't see it too far out, maybe end of this year, next year, where I can walk into a store and actually interact with uh, USDC or USDT, same way I do with, with BCH using the Bitcoin.com uh, terminals. Sort of thing. You know, I think that many people out there, you know, they, they believe that because the, the space moves really quick, that the rest of the world should, should move as fast with it, that it takes time, that it takes time for a visa to I don't know, think of them like a, I don't know, an aircraft carrier, not like a battleship, but it takes time for that ship to move. So do you think this really becomes the beginning of, of a whole legion of, of battleships and cruise ships and everything else that will start to enter the space? Yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, Visa, Visa brings with it millions of merchants and millions of customers. Uh, I think MasterCard won't be far behind. PayPal is already there. So PayPal will announce or has already announced that they're going to enable all their merchants to start taking crypto payments. So you can fire up, you know, uh, that which also means eBay might be able to take crypto payments because PayPal is a big processor over there. Um, and wherever PayPal kind of works, if they enable that, you know, people could just live a life, just digital cash and no fiat. Now, let me ask you this, because while it might seem like a noob question, what is the advantage for them to accept it? I mean, are they doing it just because the world is talking about it, or is it better for them as well? Is it good for them? I think it's good for them. I think it's a, there's there's one of the things that I was just speaking to somebody uh, earlier this week, and we we're helping them get set up and start taking crypto payments, acceptance. And I think their biggest concerns, for example, were chargebacks, right? Like people would fraudulently use somebody else's credit card, debit card, and Two weeks later, they would get a chargeback for thousands of dollars or whatever it was spent. And his biggest concern was, can chargebacks happen with crypto? I'm like, no, it's not. It's like when a transaction said it's sent, you can't unroll it. Um, so things like that are big advantages. And I think the idea of a very digitally connected individual interacting with such businesses without the friction of having to write a check or go to the bank or all that sort of stuff. I think that is really powerful. Now, in terms of processing payments, will will the cons- will some of the smaller businesses or even mid-sized businesses around the world, will they start to see a reduction in fees as these large corporations start to transact using blockchain technology? I think it should eventually happen. Um, depending upon what kind of, every institution charges different kind of fees to their merchants, et cetera. Um, but I think this is use beneficial to the merchants and businesses because they have control of their funds. They can do, you know, if you accept, for example, and we'll, we'll, we should speak about, we should do a session on DeFi at some point. Um, when a merchant accepts USDC or USDT or BCH or whatever, they are in control of it and they can do whatever they want with it. They can actually go ahead and you know, stick it in DeFi and earn a higher yield on their dollar than their bank gives them, sort of thing. So, I think that's the that's the real advantage of like you know having control of your funds to do whatever it is you want. Great way of putting it. 
Talk yeah. about on-demand liquidity. I mean, we we've seen a number of crises over the past whatever Galt century that I've heard that on-demand liquidity can help to prevent the next, say, crisis, so to speak, or financial crisis. Why is that? Um, so on-demand liquidity kind of helps in the sense that, like, it will increase settlements. It helps people. Um, I guess on-demand liquidity is more of a concept of like the fact that you already have a pool of funds available on demand before, um, you know, preventing a crash, so so to speak. So, for example, crashes happen when there isn't liquidity. When you're trying to sell, let's just say, I have a million shares or a million coins, right? And I want to sell them right now. And um, there aren't enough buyers. That means I have no liquidity. That means if I try to sell it, even if the price is a dollar right now, if there are no buyers, it'll go down to like zero because... I can't sell it. Uh, I think on-demand kind of liquidity kind of prevents that in the sense of like you have an available pool uh, that you can, um, you know, prevent crashes like that from happening sort of thing. Available, available pool of funds, so to speak. So it sounds like that this space does solve many global problems, not just where, where people are looking at it from a, a digital asset class. It actually has yeah, yeah, utility. Yeah. Yes, it does. Definitely. Like it, it solves a lot of problems that, you know, um, people, uh, it solves a lot of problems that um, uh, people think are out of their control or, or not be able to control sort of thing. So, yeah. And then while we're uh, in terms of today, we're going to just touch briefly on DeFi. I'm starting to see some of the, the bigger players in the crypto space start to talk about it more and more. Why is this where DeFi seem to be getting more traction? And why are we going to see, again, large corporations around the world start to dip their toes in it if they're not already in it right now? Yeah, um, I think DeFi is an interesting space. I think DeFi is like allowing an individual to um, control their assets and move them around and... Um, you know, partake in borrowing, lending, etc., um, <clears throat> without the need of central authority. I think that's that's really interesting. I think, like, imagine loaning out your your U.S. dollars to somebody else who needs to borrow them, and they'll pay you, you know, up to five six percent um, because they're making you know eight nine percent on the other side, like trading it or whatever they're doing, and you get to keep like a larger share off that of the yield. And I think that's kind of not possible with the current banking system, the ability for you to manage your funds and loans and wherever. And rates are generally not that high in the traditional fiat space. So that's why I think DeFi is a really interesting space. And I think it's uh, there's a lot more to come from it. And I, I think that that's a good thing. I mean, that if people are able to make more money or to have capital preservation and able to go buy things, well, it stimulates economies around the world. It creates jobs. It creates the next thing in terms of technology, infrastructure, that it all helps to build it, right? Exactly. It's all cyclical, right? Like, and it's, it's people have more, people are yielding more, um, you know, they do save, but they also have more liquidity to spend elsewhere. And then going out and spending money, actually, you can see the difference in um, what it, the difference it makes in the lives of people in their businesses. Because uh, more more liquidity means more spending power means 
I can pass it on to uh, other businesses and pass it on to their employees, who then kind of put it back in the economy and all that sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, it's kind of like a, a interesting cycle. Yeah, it seems to all stimulate it. All right, in terms yeah, of yeah. F- final thoughts you have on the recap show, anything else you'd like to cover today? No, this has been great. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's been an exciting week um, in the sense of like, you know, our, our the quote unquote bull market continues, um, which means um, I, I will continuously uh, stay exhausted and not sleep. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you have more uh, energy than most people I know, Donish. I don't know what your secret sauce is, man. But <laughs> you thanks. seem to always have energy and keep going. Lots of coffee is, is what it takes. <laughs> lots and lots of coffee. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully this continues. And I think like, you know, uh, the IPO would really kind of bring about the masses to get exposure to, I guess, it's a way for people to get exposure to crypto uh, through equity within the company, which is, which is exciting. Well and said. I think, uh, yeah, onwards and upwards from here. Yeah. Onwards and upwards. All right, everybody. Yeah. Hope you enjoy the recap show. Donish, thank you again for sharing Thanks, your Justin. story. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.